Hey, please listen all the way through this episode to listen to our second installment of Miles of Books, a chat with Coach Liz and me, with her talking about the nonfiction books she's been reading lately. Welcome to another Mother Runner. This is Sarah Bowen Shea. I'm joined in studio by Molly Williams. Hello, Molly. Hello, Sarah. So nice to be here this morning. Yes, 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 yes. You are making progress. Uh, is it yep. one step forward, two steps back or from your knee replacement? Yep. Uh, yep. Something like that. So in five weeks now. So yeah, it's mm-hmm. a it's a tough road to hoe. Still having a lot of trouble with sleeping and pain, but it's, it's slowly getting better. Uh-huh. I've decided to stop eating, however, which <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I called the advice nurse and I'm like, well, I have no appetite. She's like, you had major surgery. I'm like, but 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 I was eating. She's like, nah, it's, you know, it's so normal. Maybe She's it's like, a phase. Yeah, that's yeah. what it sounds like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, so. yeah. I mean, right. I've gotten so skinny; you can barely see me. <laughs> anyway, it's 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 been a been a journey, and I'm, I, you know, talk to me again and at the three month mark, and I bet I'll feel better. That's yes. what people say is like it takes that longest to really start to turn the corner. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. five yeah. weeks, five weeks. Yes, yes, yes. But, so so then you're not joining me tonight to go see Betty Who in concert. Oh hell no. <laughs> You'll, ha- you'll have a great time. No, six o'clock. I just start winding down, and I end up in the fetal position on the couch, and I can't do anything. I know the yeah. doors don't open till seven thirty. The warm up act goes on eight thirty, and I have strength training tomorrow with Brittany at seven a.m. What so. are you twenty <laughs> two? But I just love Betty Who. It's the fourth time I'm seeing and her, and you're probably going by yourself. I am going by uh-huh. myself, and you're going to stand in the front. I am. I'm going to weasel my way to the front, and uh, it's a. It was was supposed to be at Wonder Ballroom, which Molly, you know, is mm-hmm. stone's throw from our houses, but it got moved across the river to a different venue, Crystal Ballroom, which has that bouncy, yeah, springy floor. Time. It's going to be great on my back. I'm so excited. Yeah. <laughs> like literally, it's going to be great yeah. on my back. It'll yeah, be awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's a a floating dance floor. Yeah. It is. And so it bounces. I don't know. There's a few in the country. Yeah. So. Oh, I didn't know it was super special. I mean. I, it is kind of special. I think they used to have them, but I don't think there are many of them left. So. Oh, interesting. Have you ever it, been there? For- I went there. My gosh. I haven't been to Crystal Ballroom since m- my very first Mother's Day. Uh-huh. And no, no, no. Yes. My very first Mother's Day. And. <laughs> And saw a Neil Diamond impersonator. Saw um, fun. What I'm super diamond. Oh, and so yes, Jack and I, my husband and I, were out until we probably didn't get home until a little bit after midnight, and you know had a babysitter and mm-hmm. this whole bit. Oh yeah, the baby was up when we got home. I'm like Phoebe, no, I need to go to bed. <laughs> so hey, at least I won't have a baby, you know. No, nope. this morning nope, when you I won't. get back. So yes, and I'm paying my son John to be my personal Uber driver. I'd rather oh. pay him cash than pay some stranger oh. because I have to augment John's, you know, um, food budget anyway. So yeah, yeah, and there won't be any parking, so that's a great idea. Exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah. So so hey, thought I would share a college update about, oh, the, about yes. the twins. Yes. Right. Speaking of the babies. Yes. Yes. So so my baby's now seniors in high school, and Daphne, my girl twin, she is headed to her two choices are Seattle University and Loyola Chicago. So great choices. Urban Jesuit 
Mm-hmm. Um, institutions of higher learning. She is headed to Seattle University on Friday for an accepted student stay on Saturday with a friend. Very good. Letting them stay in an Airbnb by themselves. Ooh, fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're taking the train up. I was originally going to let her drive, and then I'm like, yeah, I'm not even crazy about driving in Seattle. No. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. a fun area. Lucy's friend Zevi went there, and, and she really liked the area. Oh, good, good. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. So, and then... Two weeks after that, Daphne is flying to Chicago with my husband, Jack, or dad, mm-hmm. and they are going to visit Loyola and possibly DePaul, which she also got accepted oh, to. Oh, DePaul. Is that in Chicago? It is. It's right in um, the Lincoln. Okay. Um, Lincoln. Is that the whole name of the neighborhood? Anyway, so Lincoln Park. Um Kind of like the band, but not really. Well, uh, I'm going to hope for Seattle for you so she stays closer to home. I know. It would and be in, really hard to have her be that far away. And the same time zone. And yeah. I really think she needs to think about the fact of how much she loves one of our cats. <laughs> you know, she does love Leo so desperately. Well, and she loves you too. Yeah. 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 So. Well, and kids all think they want to, you know, move away from home and never see anybody again. But, you know, it gets to be thanksgiving time and they're usually ready to come home and then things get expensive and oh yeah. i've already told her that if she goes to loyola chicago she can't come home okay. for thanksgiving all right daphne you should go to seattle yes. i feel better about this yes because then you know there's <laughs> then there'd be car train and in a pinch you could fly i mean not that flying's all that much quicker oh but... and there'll be kids that live in portland and she can commute. just hop a... yeah. yeah exactly yeah. Right. yeah yeah yes so and then molly as you know we got thrilling thrilling news last friday about john he oh got yes accepted to the university of southern california's musical theater bfa program a big feather in his cap thank you yes yes so i'm going to admit it was a little unexpected that he would get accepted to such a prestigious program mm. and prestigious school they have a acceptance rate of about 16 percent. i just keep thinking he got into usc yeah and i didn't have to bribe anybody no <laughs> not that we know of right i'm going to uh... you get down there and everybody's wearing another mother runner t-shirts we're gonna we're gonna be skeptical <laughs> right. and say uh-huh that's how we got in a swath of t-shirts <laughs> yes so so then he would be you know same time zone one flight away but then his mm-hmm. other choice is Montclair State, which is in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. And so we're headed out there on Saturday night on a red eye. He mm-hmm. and I are going out to check out uh, Montclair, the school itself, and the surrounding environs. And he'd be so close to New York City, which would be really neat. Ex- but again, that's a long ways away. And It is. It is. Yeah. So, yes. Um, so then, and I'm also very excited because some runners who I know very well through the AMR community mm-hmm. live right right there, right near Montclair State. Oh. So, so he and I are taking a red eye, get in at 7 a.m. And so heading straight to the home of a mother runner named Marianne, who has Wonderful. already taken our bagel orders. Oh, uh, my gosh. <laughs> so and we can take a shower, you know, uh-huh. wipe the crud out of our eyes and uh, pumpernickel. <laughs> no. What, what kind of bagel? I, I made it easy. I said poppy seed. Yeah. Poppy seed. Yes. I like pumpernickel. Am I the only one that likes pumpernickel? Uh, I think that's yeah, yes. I think that's probably true. <laughs> wow. <laughs> they always have them left at the, at the, <laughs> sure at the bakery. Sure do. You can go to a bagel yeah. store five minutes before it closes. <laughs> You're like, can I have the day old price? <laughs> oh, we have your pumpernickel right there. <laughs> Oh, all right. Well, hearkening back to Seattle, our guest is 
from right near there. Beth Baker is a certified running coach, business coach, and founder of Running Evolution. Like I said, it's near Seattle. So after overcoming her own fear of running, Beth has gone on to personally coach about 2,500 folks to run distances from 5Ks to marathons. Beth is the mother of a 16-year-old kiddo, and she leads loads of group runs, which is one of the reasons I've brought her to talk about the joy of running with a friend or a group and why you, Molly, are here to co-host since our strong friendship started out as a running friendship. Yeah, although mm. I'm a hop along right now, <laughs> but maybe someday. Beth, thanks so much for joining us today. Hey, thank you so much. This is such a like huge thrill for me. So thank you. Oh, you are sweet. So I'm going to mention that you and I met on the I'm pretty sure it was the first leg of the Run Like a Mother book tour back in 2010. Yeah. Yeah. So it was just a few years after you started running Evolution. Yes. And it was funny because I saw your book um, in Title IX store mm-hmm. right as I started my business. And it was one of those things where like, oh, my gosh, there is a market for what I do. Oh, okay. And, you know, like you just need a confirmation, like, what the hell like, heck am I doing? Yeah. So, yeah, it was like, OK, all the things are coming together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Love <laughs> how you caught yourself there about halfway between the first L and the second L of that word. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> well, before we go any further, Beth, uh, we hear that you've recently gotten back from a running trip in South America. Yes, uh, we did. Uh, it was for vacation races, and my friends and I had planned it since 2020. Oh. And yeah, it was it was amazing. We did six races in eight days. Oh my and God. Wow! All trail runs, and you. T- I can tell you though, it was crazy because I there were women there. There's a whole of 40 people, and I was probably you know on the younger side. Really. Yeah, there was you know, a lot of moms and moms and daughters and families and mm. things. I got smoked by these women who were like in their sixties, <laughs> pushing seventy. It was awesome. That's great. But yeah, it was great. But um, and then my friend Mer- Myrna, mm, if you yeah, you know Myrna, yeah, we that's what we signed up together to do it. So oh, nice. She she did great. It was it's just a, a crazy adventure. I'm still kind of processing and it. And did you have to run every race, or did you have your choice, or? Well, you, I mean, you're there. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and there was a great, great, way to, great way to see the terrain. And we did, I mean, just all the crazy, like, volcanic lava flow areas. Mm. I mean, that's why I love traveling, because to run the, in the area and see what's Because uh-huh. you, you-, you were in Argentina, you were in Patagonia, right? Yeah, uh, we would, uh, started in uh, Argentina, and then we went, actually, we ran, this is the craziest thing, we got off a boat, mm-hmm. and we got all of our customs and everything figured out, and then we ran from Argentina to Chile, mm. like we actually ran over to the border wow. to the other side, mm. and then we got, got everything inspected, and then we just got in a hotel. And- <laughs> wow. Huh. Wow, that doesn't seem very like South American country. Like to me, there's, you know, juntas there with their, you know, firearms and stuff who are not, no. not going to take lightly to this. Uh-huh. No, it was very, it was all planned out and very, very well organized. Mm-hmm. Uh, was it an but just, international group of women or mostly Americans? Mostly Americans, mostly mid- Midwest, which mm, I thought was interesting. interesting yeah. 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 Mm. And there was some swimming? Oh, well, I I love, like, that's my favorite part of running long distances is, like, popping into some kind of water area, mm-hmm. if I can find sure. it. So I'm always in some water, if I can find it mm-hmm. afterwards. It just feels so good. And you found some. I found it. <laughs> All right. No piranhas or anything like that, huh? No, that would be, I'd have to go up to Brazil, right, for the piranhas? Amazon? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Amazon, yeah. I, I, <laughs> counting my feet, I've still got my two feet. Oh, okay. So. 
That's a good story. All the toes. You didn't have three to start with, so <laughs> that would make me faster. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's a, that's a bonus. <laughs> oh boy! All right, and one one more random question. T- oh, t- tell us about your love of tacos. So you know, are we talking corn or flour tortilla, carnitas oh. or fish? How spicy do you like your salsa? So anything in a folded vessel. <laughs> <laughs> It's kind of my jam. I grew up in Southern California and, you know, we're there. It's got the best Mexican food besides Mexico, I think. Mm-hmm. It's uh, just something I kind of grew up on and just it's something, any, anything that you put in a, in a tortilla. So mm-hmm. my favorite is something a little crunchier, but not all crunchy because it falls apart. Mm-hmm. And fish tacos are the kind of the best thing ever, especially if they're fresh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love fish tacos. And we just got some salsa. We had tacos last night because it was Taco Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> and, and we got some fresh salsa. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is amazing. Although you shared with us that you had for breakfast egg rolls. <laughs> you had the the Chinese tacos. <laughs> yes. Crunchy and folded. Uh, yeah. And not left over from Taco Tuesday. So now I'm wondering <laughs> how old these egg rolls were. So my son makes them every morning for breakfast. Woo! I know. Mom of the year. And, uh, but he makes his own breakfast, so that's good, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so I always kind of like hoard over like a vulture, whatever he's not eating. So that was leftovers from his. Wow. Dang, man. That's great. <laughs> wow. That's it. amazing. That's amazing. All right. So before you became a runner, you were afraid of running. How is that? So yeah. t- tell us. <laughs> oh my gosh. So it was. It, it was just so daunting to me. And we lived in the Haight-Ashbury mm. in San Francisco. Yeah. And we had like a little balcony in our very small apartment. And I'd watch the runners go by on a Golden Gate Park. And I'm like, God, that looks like so, so much fun. And then I went and did it. And I was just like, it was the worst. Mm-hmm. I cried. It was, I just felt so shameful for being so out of shape. And I was like 26 years old. Mm-hmm. It was just like a, like a horrible feeling. Um, my dad had ran and had been like effortlessly running his for you know, most of his life. And I'm like, what's wrong with me? I thought there was something wrong with me. And I just had started off too fast. And it took me like a whole year to do my first 5k. It was just like stopping and starting, stopping and starting, getting injured, getting bad bronze. I mean, just everything. Mm -hmm. And I'm just stubborn. I'm just stupid stubborn. (laughs) But you were afraid of it and you kept going. I kept going. Right. Yes. And my whole goal was to do a marathon. So I had Uh These aspirations. I'm like, if I finish a marathon, then you know I'll be happy. That was <laughs> which was probably a, a kind of a fearful thing to endeavor. Yes, and uh, after doing my first 5K, a year later, I did my first marathon. Well, there you go. Here we go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Well, and then you got other women to to start running. You how how'd that go? Um. Well, we lived in we moved from San Francisco to Seattle, oh. and I had knew knew nobody. Mm-hmm. We moved here kind of cold turkey or cold whatever, mm-hmm. and uh, it was I started running up here after realizing that I wasn't going to melt um, in the rain, <laughs> and just kind of I got, got a couple friends to start running, and I worked at this corporate job, and people came downstairs and like accounting these little ladies like, hey, I, te- I hear you teach people how to run, and so I take them out on um, like lunchtime at the park next door and just start running. Mm-hmm. And it kind of came from that. And I got pregnant and I got laid off from my job when I was eight and a half months pregnant. Mm. And then I had a baby and a new business at the end of that. And that was 17 years ago. Mm. Wow. Mm. So yeah. did you feel like there was a Seattle freeze when you got to Seattle? 
Oh my gosh, there still is. Oh, it's yeah? crazy. Yeah, it's hard. To, it's hard to meet people here, and people come here from, you know, the Midwest when they're so friendly, or the South. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, just hang in there. <laughs> just hang in there. Join, join a running group, right? <laughs> exactly. And we do have a lot of people just, that just want that community. They just want to um, talk to people. And, you know, it's important. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, for sure. It's, especially <laughs> someplace where it's dark and gloomy and cold and mm-hmm. right yeah, yeah. Right. seasonal effective is a real thing you gotta it's serious yeah, yeah absolutely so need, needing to be with other people because you know we're humans mm-hmm. yeah and getting exercise on top of that which is like bonus mm-hmm. yeah which leads us right into our topic so earlier this year on instagram you had a post that said in big big letters running with others is better <laughs> so, so so tell us beth why you think that is well, just the time goes better. It, it's a, it's such an inefficient way to you know a be outdoors, b be social, mm-hmm. and c get getting exercise done. I mean, that's like kind of hits all of the you know orphans. I call them the the endorphins, the, you know, dopamine, all the things. Mm-hmm. And um, it's just you know you don't you're not looking at each other, so you have a lot more candor about what you talk about. Mm-hmm. And when you're tired, you just kind of let everything <laughs> mm. open up. And I've just seen this, you know, for the last 17 years, just women getting so entrenched in each other's, um, uh, not lives, but like in their, you know, they just get to know each other so well on a very deep level. And it's so beautiful to see that. So it, I think it's a lot of it is just being together and doing this crazy, scary thing, which is also another like bonding moment when you're trying to do a half marathon or even a 5k. It's scary for people. So when you're doing it together, it just makes it easier. You don't feel alone. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When I first started running, the first time I ran uh, six miles, I I really felt like I should be alerting the police. Like, hey, I just want you to know it's probably going to go okay, but I'm heading out there. (laughs) I was just, you know, it was so intimidated. But I had like... I don't know. I had one of those uh, hydration belts, you know, like with all the water bottles full <laughs> yeah. and like six goos, you know, wasn't sure what I was going to need out there. You look like a, like a gunslinger yeah. at some point. Yeah. 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 And I'm like, wanted to tell people six miles. I'm going to do six miles. <laughs> it just seems so daunting. Yeah. Like, like you drive six miles. Like, geez. Louise. I know. <laughs> when I ran my first, like my first two miles, I called my dad and I just like cried. I'm like, I ran two miles, daddy, because I'm so proud yeah. of you. Yeah, I didn't call my mom, but I called my dad. Mm. And um, I've had, you know, where I ran, I, ran, I trained for my first marathon by myself. And before cell phones, before Uber, before all the safety nets. And yeah, it's the same kind of thing. Like, I hope I make it. Uh-huh. And until you've done it, then you don't understand. You don't know. Yeah. And, and then you can appreciate it for somebody else. You'd be like, oh my gosh, you ran two miles. That's fantastic. Yeah. And we're like, if you've yeah. never run two miles, you're like, oh, it's probably not that big a deal to run two miles, but it's a big deal to run two miles. It is so yeah. is. Yeah. I mean, it's like, you don't. if you don't know, that, you don't know that feeling, you don't know what it feels like. Right. And it's just kind of, that's why I love it. Opens you up in a different way. Yeah. And if you have a running friend with you, then at least they can call the police. <laughs> <laughs> But I do your body. Yes, I do your body. Right. She lived yeah. a good life. She died the way she wanted to live. Uh, but, uh, uh, you know, you, you know, when you're sharing those miles with somebody, how quickly they go. Yeah, absolutely. And mostly like I trail run too. Mm-hmm. And that trail running by yourself is just, I can't do that even. Mm-hmm. Um, 
there's there's like animals and stuff. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. I my daughter trails runs too, and um, the cougars are the thing we worry about. Mm. Yeah, yeah. same. We have a we live on. I used, when I was first had my son, my parents lived over in the mountains where I went to go trail run, and I would drop him off as an infant, and then go to Tiger Mountain. Our Cougar Mountain, mm-hmm. we went at the, that's what they're called. And my mom's like, "What? Why, where are you going to be? I'm like, well, I'm going to be at Cougar Mountain. She's like, what's that called? Kitty Cat Mountain. <laughs> it's because you've got all these uh, 50-year-old divorcees out there. <laughs> <laughs> that's it, Mom. Yeah, yeah that's, that's why. A margarita bar there. It's, it's, it's a thing. Don't worry about it. Oh, I wish. Yeah. <laughs> So um, what kind of advice do you have for gals that are intimidated to run with people? Oh, it's, you know, it's really is like the highest um, alert I've heard from people. Like just running with people is they feel like they're going to be left behind. Yeah. And that is like a primal fear mm-hmm. for most of us. I mean, especially if you have like any kind of abandonment. Um, oh, yeah. And they're, yeah, I mean, right. And when you think of like a primal level, when we're running in the, in the, you know, way back when, uh, being left behind, you were probably picked off it's also just middle school gym again you know yeah. it's like the last to be picked I've, I've been in running groups where i've been left behind and it's not a good feeling it's not a good feeling mm-hmm. and i mean and i think a lot of people's emotional evolution kind of stops at that point mm-hmm. and that's they come in my group and like well in sixth grade <laughs> and, you mm-hmm. know and it really is like like a traumatic thing and they just kind of stop Stop that. So what do you tell them yeah. so that they know they won't be left behind? Um, I'm just like, you know, keep up, lady. <laughs> just <No>. keep up. <laughs> so empathetic yeah. you are, hey, Beth. It's okay, just wonderful. Well <laughs> Moving right along with our self-esteem. Okay. <laughs> We're gonna open the cougar gate in five minutes. Go. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> but you must have like pace groups or yeah. somebody that stays behind. We are a non-competitive mm-hmm. group. And so that's kind of in the forefront, social, competitive. That's like our two pillars. And then do you have it so like there's fast runners and slower slower runners? Or do you all just like, hey, we're all going to go 10 minute miles or 10 and a half no, minute yeah, miles or whatever? It's all sprawled okay. out. We have people who do intervals mm-hmm. and people who are trying to get faster. And God bless them. I mean, that's yeah. great. I like for people to be paired up so they can be with somebody if they... Or they can just you know go fast and listen to their jams and know that we're behind them, <laughs> chasing them. So, um, but it's just that supportive group. It's just being supportive of each other and know that they are folded into, you know, the the greater good of. And I, and I th- being and I think women should know that a lot of running groups are. I mean, running evolution is special, but they're but that not all running groups are just for gazelles and will leave yeah. the, the weak one behind to mm-hmm. be, yeah. you know, devoured by the hyenas. You know, kind of talk down the intimidation factor of groups in general to kind of get people mm. off the ledge and to go to maybe their local running store or Lululemon runs runs out of their stores oftentimes. So. Yeah, it's uh, definitely like, don't let the first one be the worst one. Mm. Um, try to like pick and choose, shop around a little bit, see, talk to people who run and see what they are doing that look like you and feel like you. And yeah, it's I think people try it once and they get shattered, mm-hmm. and then they're like, well, screw that. So mm-hmm. I can say I can say screw right. Yes. <laughs> okay, just not the word that it's synonymous with that. Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> 
This is really hard for me, you guys. I'm just saying. <laughs> and also, the thing with a group sometimes is that you know people know each other and you don't know anybody, and then so you're mm-hmm. the like the odd man out. It's nice if you can you know, find that one person. That one yeah. person that you can just be like, hey, tell me about your life story. Give me the long yeah. form. <laughs> Podcast your life. Yeah. Hill's coming. Go. If you can't talk and run, you're going to be the super you know, attractive listener. Yes. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. just go, okay, tell me about your life and then we'll go and run mm-hmm. and uh you know, be there for each other. Yeah. So if you go to a if you go to a group and you haven't like found your people's like look for that one person, you know, that's running by themselves and pester them. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> they came to a group run. Right. Why why are you in the group uh-huh. if you don't want to be and I think it too is a lot of it is geography too. Like I went to I mean I'm around in Seattle, you know, people that are just, you know, crazy ages. I mean not crazy ages, but you know, different ages, different body types and uh, I thought that was the norm, but I went to Austin for the run of that. I thought that's why I saw. I think you saw, saw oh, you, Sarah. Oh yes, uh-huh. yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, our masks and everything. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, everybody is so young and so fast here. It mm-hmm. was just wild. I know Polly because it was the run event, but just like running people running up and down the streets. So I'm like, oh, it is not the norm. Mm-hmm. It's not. Mm-hmm. It's not a thing that <laughs> I think Seattle is not special, but it's not. Um, I think people who are ge- geographically might be intimidated by the people they see out running in the streets. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is true. That is true. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, we're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. Stay with us as we'll be back soon. Okay. True confession time. Group runs are not my jam. Uh, <laughs> have you tried it? Oh, oh yeah, definitely, definitely. De- okay. And I led some of them also on the on the tours, but and which were fun. I just I don't know, just one on ones better for me. But right. yeah, 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 yeah. So so you know, can you talk about how you see the difference between a group run and running with just one other person? You know, and please don't just say on a group run there's there's more people. Um, <laughs> That that the the dynamics the the interchanges that you have are I think different when you are just with that one person than kind of perhaps jockeying between a couple different people. Yeah, I think it's like an extrovert introvert. Are you an introvert? Uh, not so much. Not so much. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I think just finding that one person and just kind of hunkering down with that person mm-hmm. that becomes more intimate as opposed to being like mm-hmm. a juggler mm-hmm. and just trying out know, trying to find people. <laughs> you know. When I was leading the groups, I was like kind of like bouncing around talking to people and I so much prefer just one person. I, well, you know, I think just specifically for my job, I had to do the whole group thing, Mm -hmm. but I much rather have one-on-one person Mm -hmm. and just have running dates. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I guess sometimes I feel a little bit like I'm hosting a dinner party when I'm in a group that that, that I want to, and I want to make sure that everybody's having a good good time Mm -hmm. oh she doesn't look like she's enjoying herself oh that person hasn't talked to someone in a while i should try to introduce them to someone else and Mm -hmm. it's like you know that and when i was just a participant you know so it's um when that isn't my job i mean it was your job when you like group runs that was your job so that's one thing but but i don't know so i i guess i kind of carried that pressure with me and that's why i'm not a huge fan of group runs 
Yes, when you're the host, you have different expectations of yourself and for everybody. So yeah, of course, mm-hmm. and you're not you want to have fun. Just run. do you find that as you like you know go on serial group runs though that the group sort of finds its own people like yes okay so you know yeah. after three or four times it's like everybody's taken care of and yeah absolutely mm-hmm. and um yeah we work with women who are i mean mostly women 99 percent nine percent women and they're busy they're moms they've got full-time jobs and that's the last thing when want to think about is like leading something mm-hmm. <laughs> because they do it throughout their day so like just showing up socializing before connecting with their people processing whether week or day or whatever mm-hmm. complaining about things you know just and then coming back and then being social at the end um that's kind of like how we run our things we do like introductions and any kind of wins or something like that at the, at the top of the run just to make people speak feel seen and not feel alone oh that's nice uh, yeah that's, yeah, that's kind of that's always kind of a because I'm I when I first moved to Seattle I went to a group run and I was smoked <laughs> and um and the guy actually came back to for me. He goes, "Oh, have you run before?" And it was just like, "Oh, yeah, I've done marathon." And wow. It was just, yeah. Mm. So I'm like, when I have my own business, mm-hmm. my group runs, mm-hmm. I'm gonna make sure everyone feels good and included. And it was you know, not their fault; it was on me. You know, but it was just noted. It was noted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's play a quick game. Uh, oh boy. So yeah. So not long ago on your Instagram, you had a list of terms that are synonymous of a running partner. Okay. How many can you come up with on the fly? The, the, oh gosh. What? Da, <laughs> can you give da, more da, yeah. Okay. So uh, uh, like give her the first one or two in the list. Yeah. Um, so we do like, yeah. Run wife, uh, run, friend, buddy, wing woman, um, co-runners, uh, uh, I'm really good at this. Usually, <laughs> you're doing great. Uh, yeah, I have like a like running harem too, which is for running harem. Runs. That's good. <laughs> yeah, I got uh, I got pack partner, pack partner, yeah, yeah. pace person, race recruiter, soul sister, peer soul sister, peer pressure sister. That's a good one. Fast friend, post run beer buddy. I like that. <laughs> I, I came up with a few. Yeah, okay. I love it. Okay, I came up with a. Uh, Dawn salon, like, you know, like the salon where, you know, you talk about things because like, yeah. I always felt like we would solve the world's problems world's every morning yes, where the Dawn salon. Do. Yeah, or, absolutely. Or just have kind of philosophical or yeah. uh, literature yeah. conversations. Exactly. And that's, and that's how you finish. You clean up global warming and we're done. Yeah. I we're know. Done. Yeah. Solved all the political issues. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, soul, soul patrol. So now two, two reasons for that. Okay. Soul, like shoe soul. And then, right. but also Sarah and I were undercover crime fighters when we would go right. out in the morning, you know, cause uh, I would like find out like where things were going down and be like, mm-hmm. we need to go over there and check it out. And then when we had the naked man running in our neighborhood, the pantsless man. The, oh, right. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> he did wear a shirt. Molly. <laughs> he wore a shirt over his face and he had shoes on. So he wasn't completely naked. Oh, he had a shirt. Did he have a shirt on? He, he was wearing a shirt, a shirt and then he had his pants up around his mouth. Oh, that's because what, I first thought. That's it was a long what beard. It was. Yes, and he was anyway. holding it up at his mouth. Yeah. But he'd exposed himself to to lots of people for months, oh, and boy. and we hadn't seen him. So when we finally did, uh, well, we 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 ran to a neighbor's house and called the cops, and they got the um the we heard the helicopter helicopter out, yes looking for him, and he never showed up after that. I think they caught him. I mean, I'm going to make that story up. <laughs> But, right. but the it, best was what Molly said to him because I didn't notice that he wasn't wearing pants because he had his he was holding that the wad of his pants up around his face so I just noticed that I didn't notice he wasn't wearing pants and so Molly suddenly says to him, "You need to put on some pants." 
And he said, why? Why? Oh my he was God. so pleased someone engaged with yeah, him. Yeah, right. <laughs> and it was just Molly, you know, <laughs> wagging her finger at him. <laughs> he just needed to be seen. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. 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 Like, except like, yeah, we have, like when we run, um, I have a running partner that I run with for every Thursday morning. And yeah, we're definitely like looking at houses. We're real estate because we, you know, we, oh, yeah. we mm-hmm. run along West Seattle. There's, you know, waterfront property that we can totally afford. Um, <laughs> and yeah, we was like, oh, you know, it's kind of too small for me. You know, maybe like an extra, you know, a couple of layers on that top of that. House. Yeah. And yeah. So it's, it's, you know, indulge that. That's really nice. <laughs> That's how you know what's going on in the neighborhood. You know, you're yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. And I got, I got one more squat scout. Figure that oh, one that's out. good. Yep, 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 yep. <laughs> we we did a Ragnar relay race and we had a special flag that we held up for everybody and to because we're all women. Uh-huh. Even, so, so they had the, the the shield, the flag shield, <laughs> and so they would be covered up and you know completely. And, you know, all, oh my all gosh! Protected. So you're saying you would hold it up like a curtain behind which yeah. they would love yeah. it? I envisioned it as just a tiny flag that you were like raised to be like someone's She's peeing right over here. here. She's right here. She's right here, and I'm like, I bet that sort of defeats the purpose. <laughs> Everybody, look over here right. for shame, for shame. <laughs> oh, I love it, and I, I think like having it, the instigator too, which is like we do have people in our group who like if one person signs up, everybody's going to sign up, and it's so funny because it's like that's their thing. They just pull in everybody, and it's it's a thing too. Oh, that's like, funny. Race, yeah, mm-hmm. nice, nice. Yeah, you have to have kind of uh, that person's not necessarily the ringleader. But they are the one who, you know, gets people a little hopped up and the mm-hmm. who, who then can really also spin a yarn about what it'll be like. You know, oh, yeah. imagine, oh my gosh, we're going to fly to Key West. We're going to rent yeah. a van. Oh my gosh, it's going to be so great. And then the, the, the brass tax of it all doesn't set in until about, you know, 2 a.m. And it was mm-hmm. like, wait, you know, what was, mm-hmm. you know, what was Megan talking about? Mm-hmm. Um, Why is she trying to kill us? Yes. <laughs> we thought she liked us. <laughs> We paid for this. We paid for this. <laughs> right. uh, yeah, those people are usually planners, which you know, it's that's so they got everything taken care of, which is great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm, all, I'm all for that. Oh yeah, you definitely need a need a planner. You need the person who gets uh, the like plants the matching outfits or makes yeah, up the oh temporary gosh. tattoos. Mm-hmm. You know, you you'd need a somebody like that in every group. That's awesome. Oh boy, yeah, that's awesome. So so Beth, can you talk a bit about that special bond that running partners often feel for each other? Because I can personally attest that. Molly and I shared some of the most profoundly important and fun times of my life in the about Mm. decade that we ran together. I mean, those are just highlights of that period of my life. Yeah, it's such, I mean, like, I get goosebumps just hearing that. That's so great. Again, it's just, you know, you, you are together and it's such a deep relationship, I feel, when you're doing something hard together. And it could be anything. Like if you guys skydive together, you guys would have some kind of bond. Mm-hmm. But then um <laughs> on top of on top of that, you have, you know, you your conversation and opening up yourself in a way that you don't usually do. I mean, like, when do you do that? I mean, even like husbands, you know, like they're great. <laughs> <laughs> but you have nothing to do but run and talk for, you know, however many miles. And the more miles, the better. Mm-hmm. And that's just being human. I think it's such a great way to share. And it's just being vulnerable. Um, I do have a funny story, though, because mm-hmm. we have people in our half marathon group who they are, to, you know, they're together and running for like months and months. Mm-hmm. And to me, they go, hey, Beth, um, so that girl over there, 
she's getting divorced and she doesn't know what's going on. And the little Alex is like, I don't know her name. I'm like, oh, that's <laughs> it happens all the time. And that's it's so funny. funny. But like, where else do you get that in your life? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, you're not on a phone. You're not distracted. Mm-hmm. You are like a soul listener or soul talker. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe like in therapy, but, um, and also when you're running too, you you kind of jiggle some some stuff out you know mm-hmm. your, your muscles your muscles kind of get warmed up and i think that you can hold a lot of you know memories there and trauma there this is me being woo woo mm-hmm. but i really believe it and i think that when you exercise and move things kind of bounce bounce away and you've got the consistency too so yeah you know you you might hear a story well you already know about their childhood so you don't have to go back to that now you're hearing this story and then that story and follow up on like oh well how how kids college search going and yeah 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 yeah. how should how like now it's like the 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 entryway is like how's uh menopause yeah (laughs) right (laughs) yeah (laughs) how's it How's the kids and how's how's your mom? You know, it's that's it's that sandwich sandwich place. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah. it's just important to talk about because it's like it does feel lonely when you're caring for your mom or you know having a a difficult time with your kid when they're in a a phase of some sort. And it's just you know, yeah, for sure, yeah, Mm -hmm. they're your they're your heart, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so what advice do you give gals who are looking to find a running partner? I, 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 so I found. Mine through a variety of channels. Molly and I met through carpooling our kids to elementary mm. school way back in the day. Um, I met my 2010 marathon training partner, Sheila, at a rare group run that I did attend. Uh, it was out of a Lululemon store. And then my current running friend, Trisha, and I met eons ago when she was testing gear for me back in the days when I wrote about um, athletic gear for uh, magazines and things like that. So, so I don't think there's any, you know, direct correlations other than I think from my own experiences, the, the, the advice would be, you just never know where you're going to find somebody. Yeah. I think you have to be kind of intentional with mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. And I think the older you get, that's kind of, mm-hmm. I mean, for me going away from group runs where I was the caretaker and get the, uh, we always in the symbiotic relationship because I was the host. Mm-hmm. And so you don't get to share, especially being a client, you know, mm-hmm. that I don't talk about my life. And so when I was doing podcasting, I would talk to people while we we're actually running mm-hmm. and I would meet a lot of people that way. <laughs> <laughs> I met my current running partner that way, but it's just kind of, you know, scoping things out and it's just like friendships, you know, you got to kind of see who, who's around and they run and what pace they are <laughs> because that's scary. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. But just being intentional with it and, you know, the group thing is different. You know, I think that's just, you know, going to local stores and talking to people as well mm-hmm. and seeing what the clientele is, mm-hmm. uh, which like, like, like Lululemon has its clientele different than, you know, Fleet Feet or mm-hmm. something like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. I think, I think your point about being intentional yeah. is a good one that, that you also then going back to being vulnerable, you do have to put yourself out there a little bit, mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, yeah. because uh, and you do have to, there is the fear of rejection. Oh, yeah. And when, not, right. when not you, everything's going to stick. I mean, for right. whatever reason, you might get busy and mm-hmm. might not be the right combination. Right, yeah. exactly. Or, or turns out she runs usually in the evenings and yeah. you're a dedicated you know, morning mm-hmm. lark. Yeah. yeah. But unless you ask, you're never going to find out whether that person's open to it. Right. Right. Yeah. And just realizing that we are more same than we are different. Mm-hmm. And even like when we had the election um, a few years ago, mm-hmm. we, there was, it got really polarizing in our group. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we talked to people and see what their stance was and see what their, you know, thought process was. And you start, you know, not seeing their opinion, but you see their values, you know, yeah. 
we're still running together. We still got two more miles to go with this person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And also, you can also just sort of be like, okay, well, we're we're going to agree to disagree on that realm. Yeah. So maybe we just won't talk about current yeah. events or whatever it is, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. yeah. And it's it's. I mean, yeah. You value the person. You and you. I mean, hopefully, respect yourself enough to know that. Yeah. Cool. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And in these days of not having. Uh, something that brings us all together, like church right. used to, you know, like everybody yeah. would go to church. This is a way to build community and that you've got this running group and you make these connections and you have them because we're just becoming more and more isolated, mm-hmm. um, yeah. working solo and mm-hmm. Being raising our, our phones. all the Yes. Time. And raising yeah. our families sort of in isolation. So it's mm-hmm. a, it, and I think you have to put yourself out there to make connections uh, yeah. in any which way these days. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, I, it, again, it's being intentional with it and mm-hmm. knowing that you, you might fail, you might fall on your face. Absolutely. And, but that, probably isn't going to happen because people are not that bad no i have to tell my son that all the time i'm like people don't want to make you cry all the time no. i promise <laughs> you're just in high school right? yeah, that's all yeah. <laughs> well, maybe in high school they want to make you cry i don't know right, exactly. that's about, that, yeah. it gets better it gets better it gets better <laughs> i sure hope so yeah 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 oh my goodness well thanks for sitting down and chatting with us Beth. Yeah. Beth, it was good catching yeah. up with you Thank you so much. I really appreciate being here. And thank you so much. I'm really excited. Good, good, good. All righty. Happy tacos. (laughs) Oh, Mal, it makes me miss our days of running together, our morning runs. I know. Uh, uh, Maybe at at least some walks are in our future, if not. Well, I hope so. I hope so. Yes, 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 yes. Well, and uh, listeners, if you are looking for in-person community, got a great way for you to do that. Join one of us, one of our retreats this year. There's just a few spots left for our Redmond, Oregon one, which is June 9th through 12th. That's out in central Oregon in the gorgeous, stunning high desert. Or we are returning to Hilton Head Island once again for the third time because it's so good for right there on the beach with the morning sunrise coming up over the Atlantic Ocean. It is spectacular. And that is November 3 through 6. We definitely have a lot of spots. in the winter too. That's I know. And supposedly the weather is even better in November than when we've typically been going in February. Sounds great. Yes, and we're doing a half and quarter marathon on a different course than we've done. Not on the beach? uh, Not on the beach, but on the um, little kind of pedestrian paths that they have around there. Forget the name. They have a clever little name for them that escapes me right Promenade? now. Promenade? No. No. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's like <laughs> that's a not very clever. Edith yeah. Wharton novel. Yeah. No. <laughs> and, uh, so, but it's organized by the same guy, same race director. So mm. it'll be the same high quality event. So again, to join us on one of our retreats this year, please go to anothermotherrunner.com. Click on the events tab. That's anothermotherrunner.com. Click on events, and we have a firm payment plan for everything on our site. If you want to spread the payments out a bit. Our podcast today was produced in St. Paul, Minnesota by Barry Medora from Fire on the Bluff. Hold on, I got to do my little outro thing. Um, do you have anything that we can say about like a little wrap up comment about? Her? Okay, then you say something. Thanks for sticking around. This is Miles of Books, our bonus monthly segment that's a 15 to 20 minute conversation between me and Liz Waterstrot, our coach in our Train Like a Mother Club and one of my occasional co-hosts. Hello to you, Liz. 
Hi, Sarah. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you today? I am good. I am good. There's some sunshine here in Portland, Oregon, so things are looking up. All right. So remind folks of your 2023 reading goal, because that was definitely an impetus for doing this bonus segment. My goal is to read 52 books. Mm -hmm. So, you know, one book a week. Mm -hmm. Nonfiction books. Nonfiction, yes. Mm -hmm. Yes, 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 yes. When was the last time you read a novel? I cannot remember. A <laughs> stumper of a question. <laughs> I'm trying to. I'm trying to think. I I can't remember. Wow, that's amazing. That's amazing. I just love though that the great thing about books is there's there's something for everybody. Yes. Yes. You know. You know yeah. 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 All right. So on the debut Miles of Books episode, which aired on February 24th, folks, if you missed it, go back and listen. Um, you mentioned you have a book page rule. So do tell. Yes, I do have a book page rule. So recall that in 2021, I read my 100 books mm -hmm. and something that kept coming up was the sense that once a book gets beyond 200 pages, mm. you better have something riveting to say. <laughs> Otherwise, it just feels like you're saying the same thing over and over again. Mm -hmm. And I was listening to a podcast, I think it was the Peter Atia podcast, where they were interviewing James Clear, who wrote the book Atomic Habits, which everyone should read, whether you like nonfiction or not, or not, you need to read that once a year. Mm -hmm. But he was saying that when he was researching how to write a good book, that there was actually, um, you know, a, some study done where it found that most bestsellers are between, I think it was like 180 to 220 pages. And oh. I thought, aha. Aha, uh -huh. I'm on something here. I'm on to something. I'm not out. I'm not on something. But You're I'm on, on to something. Some yeah. Oh boy. You have no idea. But I'm on to something in that 200 pages just seems to be a nice, you know, amount of, of pages to get your ideas across in. So I'm very careful when I go beyond that. Very careful. Okay. Well, now I'm embarrassed to say I need to run upstairs and see how many pages run like a mother is. <laughs> <laughs> well, you had something really important to say, but oh, I'm thinking of some of these, other, like the book Grit. People love the book Grit. Mm. Now it is a decent book, but I felt like the book said the same thing over and over and over again. And mm -hmm. so it could have been condensed into 150 pages rather than mm -hmm. 200 plus. So okay, well, if, if you're thinking of writing another book, just keep it under 200, okay? <laughs> okay, well, and as a former editor, I do like a good editor. So, <laughs> all right, 200 pages it is then. So, so Liz, how do you choose the books you read and how do you determine which order you read them in? Because if I were you all the books would start to swim to my head since it's not like, because as a fan of novels, you know, the books that I read, they have characters, they have settings, they have plots for me to keep them straight. And nonfiction, such as you read, don't have those traits. Sure. So the way I choose books is I just, like I was listening to a podcast today and the person referenced a book. So mm -hmm. I will go into my little Goodreads app and look up the book and then decide mm -hmm. that, if I want to read it or not, I add it to my want to read list. Mm -hmm. um, so that's how I find books, just usually from listening to other people or reading other books. Mm -hmm. uh, and then the order, you know, I, I try to mix it up. So there are heavier books. Like I have a book on my nightstand called What My Bones Know. And it's about this woman who went through trauma 
And I, I would put that in the category of a heavier read. Mm-hmm. And you can't read 10 books in a row like that. You'd mm-hmm. probably be very depressed. So <laughs> I try to mix it up. You know, some some I know will be just your typical, fun, lighter, self-helpish type of books. Others might be about spirituality or money. And I just I just try to keep a little mix going and try not to read the same mini genre too many times in a row. Okay, yeah, because that to me is then when they'd all kind of start to blur together. Yes, definitely. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, so with no further preamble, <laughs> share the first book that you want to talk about from this month. All right, so I I picked two books, and I picked them because I thought they complemented each other well. Mm-hmm. And the first book I went with is Die With Zero by Bill Perkins. Mm-hmm. Perkins is one of the most successful energy traders in history. And I will be honest, I did not choose this book because it's a fantastic piece of literature. (laughs) (laughs) I I mean, I put that out there, you know, it's long at times, and he goes on and on with some stories. But I will say, I chose this book because it changed my mind, Mm. which to me, is the mark of a good nonfiction book, it makes you pause, it makes you think or see the world from a different perspective. It's like having conversations with people, you don't always want to talk to people you agree with, Mm. you know, so this Mm -hmm. book, was based on this idea that I didn't exactly agree with. Mm -hmm. So Perkins argues that when you die, you should have $0 left in your bank account. Now, that's that's aggressive. You know, it's a very Mm -hmm. bold statement. But I Mm -hmm. will say he backs it up with plenty of examples, Mm -hmm. financial formulas, um, as well as anecdotes from his own life. And he just, he, he has this idea that most of us spend the best part of our life saving money for our retirement. Mm -hmm. And you know, I'll say this is not a book for someone who is perhaps financially struggling or in an insecure financial situation. Sure. But I think no matter where you are on the spectrum, we we in this culture were all raised with this idea of you need to work and save and you need to save for retirement. And then you get to retirement and you get to do everything you'd like to do and spend your money. Mm-hmm. And he's saying that that's not really what happens. He's saying that by the time you get there, you're too old to do most of what you like to do. <laughs> Uh, and, and, and that you won't spend as much as you think you're going to spend and you mm. won't need as much as you think you'll need. Mm. And he really digs into the financial nitty gritty of how that's possible. And he talks in all sorts of numbers and charts. But Sarah, two things that, that really hit home with me was this idea of how, you know, once you're like around our age range, so midlife, you know, life can really just become about working, saving, working, saving. And you're giving up opportunities. You're maybe not spending as much time with your parents or your kids, you know, because you're just working and and grinding away. Um, and that's very much how I feel. You know, my husband and I, we both work, we work a lot, mm-hmm. we save a lot. And so it really made me think, you know, is this the best strategy? But also, he brought up that point of how our physical abilities diminish. And we all know that. Mm-hmm. And we all feel young at heart. Mm-hmm. But he said, sure, you might like playing tennis now. But when you're in your 60s in retirement, I don't care how young at heart you are, you're not going to be able to play tennis maybe the way that you want to, or do some of these things that you physically want to be able to do. So he was making the case for just doing more things now, um, rethinking how much you save, rethinking how you spend, and really working on investing in memories that will compound. Mm. So doing things now, so you can enjoy the memory of them longer into life. Mm. Hmm, that's an intriguing theory. My husband and I 
ended up traveling around the world in 2000 when I got unexpectedly laid off and he was making a career shift. And it was a bold move. It was something we didn't dream about. But at the time, I remember we, so we were in our early 30s and thinking, okay, well, this is so much better because we're so much more nimble and mobile than if we waited until our 60s. So, you know, climbing the steps of the Duomo, you know, didn't make us be like, ah, never mind. I don't need to see the top of it, you know? (laughs) So it's like, okay, let's go. So, um, but I do have a question. Is Bill Perkins a dad? Yes. Oh, huh. He is. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, I don't remember how many kids he has, but he he does have family. And he's not... He's not all that old. I mean, I'm looking at the picture of him. I don't know how mm-hmm. old he is, but mm-hmm. I would say he's not quite at retirement age. Mm-hmm. But does he talk about leaving uh, generational wealth? Yes, that mm-hmm. is a huge um, chapter. And mm-hmm. here's what he said. Mm-hmm. And this was really interesting to me. He said, most of us, you know, we store away and we think we're leaving our money to our kids. Mm-hmm. He said, by the time your kids get your money, in general, they will be between 50 and 60 years old, when they have their own money, when they don't need your money. He said, think instead of giving money and time to your kids when they need you. So that Mm -hmm. would be maybe in their 20s and 30s when they're trying Mm -hmm. to Mm -hmm. start a career or purchase a house. Mm -hmm. So it, it really just brought up a lot of ideas that I hadn't thought of. And it bucks against a lot of the things we're told about what to do with our money in our life. Oh, it sure does. And I mean, I think about when people talk about, oh, well, you know, if if people don't keep saving, then, you know, recession might land in our laps. And, you know, because if, if people are, are spending all their money, and then there's creates too much demand and blah, blah, blah. And I don't really understand that because I don't understand economics. Um, anyway, but that, <laughs> that is intriguing. Thank you for telling us about that book. And while you were talking about that, a question sprang to mind. Do you ever skim while you're reading a book? Yes. Oh, good. Oh, good. Yes, I do. I I try. I try not to quit a book because I feel like once I've invested in it, Mm -hmm. I should just honor, honor the commitment I've already made and honor the words that somebody was willing to put on a page. Mm -hmm. But there are times like I just read this book called Golden. It was a wonderful book. But there are so many stories that I thought, okay, like, I can't sit here and read every single story in detail. Mm -hmm. So I will quickly skim it, especially if stories are involved. Okay. Okay. Good to know. Good to good to know you're human, Liz. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually just a robot. Yeah, I just exactly. read AI. words. And they, Our, <laughs> yes. AMR's first AI podcast. The, the jig is up. <laughs> robot Liz is on. Thanks. <laughs> um, all right. And what's the second book you're going to tell us about? Okay. The second book, it goes along with this idea. So Die With Zero had a put a little more fun in your life, I suppose. Um, This book is called The Fun Habit. Mm. And it's by Mike Rucker. Mm -hmm. I will tell you, I loved this book. It was the perfect duration. Uh, It was the perfect blend of science and storytelling. Mm -hmm. And Rucker just speaks in a way that's really engaging and makes you want to read even all of the tedious details and stories. (laughs) And one more thing I loved about him He's done an Iron Man, and he weaves that experience in throughout the book. So it's just fun when you feel like you have that connection with an author. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Awesome. Oh, my goodness. I love that it's the storytelling that you gloss over. <laughs> well, I, I mean, you know, there's there's the power of a good story. But when every single point you're trying to make in the book is illustrated with a story, 
that, that becomes a little excessive. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. All right. Well, a delight talking with you. Thanks for sharing with us, Liz. Thank you. 